0: Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show! With your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolzovich! And now, here's Jay! good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. and I've moved the show outside because it's another beautiful afternoon in the Pacific Northwest. so just yeah, I'm out on the back patio here and and of course, I've got Piper the Poodle bringing me her ball because I usually throw for her out here. <laughs> And she's confused (laughs) why I'm sitting out here not playing ball. But, uh, you know, we got a lot to talk about today on the Bose Nose Show. But, you know, I always like to talk about what you want to talk about. So, all you have to do is give us a call here on the Bose Nose Show at 646 721 nine eight eight seven and just press one and that lets us know you want to get on conversation because I do have people that call a show just to listen on their cell phones <laughs> and uh, and so we that makes us know you know puts a little question mark up there so we know you want to talk so even if you're listening and you hear something you want to chime in on or ask a question about me um, while you're listening if you press one on your keypad that'll throw that question mark up there for us so Again, it's 646-721-9887, and just press 1 so Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get on the show. And I can hear one of my neighbors working on an engine. <laughs> Hope that's not coming over the show live. Uh, you know, that's part about living out here in the country. People do work on their own cars. So all sorts of things to talk about. You know, uh, we had our first listening session on 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 race and uh, equity uh, at at board last night, and had a grand total of three people uh, want to talk to us. I was really expecting to be there half the night listening. Um, was rather surprised because we're sure sure getting more than three people at the protest around town. Um, this is their opportunity to talk directly to their elected officials, and we didn't get anyone showing up. But I want to go back to the topic I talked about last week quite a bit on the show and, and just talk about what actually happened in the E-Board on Monday. And, you know, I have to give it to uh, Senator Betsy Johnson. She had one of the best quotes I've heard in a long time that most people think PGE stands for Portland gets everything. When she was referring to just, you know, basically when it comes to public services and, and, um, their share of state services and everything else. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the attitude of everyone that doesn't live in the Portland Metro area in Oregon is that Portland gets everything. And the emergency board basically confirmed that they had the opportunity to fix the COVID relief fund problem that has, you know, just folks in Portland getting $174 per person up front last April and May where we're having to beg for being reimbursed here in Lane County and that we've actually only gotten a commitment of $27 per person here in Lane County for being reimbursed where we have to spend the money up front. And that disparity continues because the emergency board, even though they had the opportunity to maybe divert what they were going to spend on PPE quote on our behalf, um, they chose to spend 105 million, through the Department of Administrative Services, which is basically handing the governor a slush fund of, of money that was meant to come to local governments outside the Portland metro area. Although, although I should say Clackamas County is included in the folks that got cheated out of, of COVID relief funds because they have less than a half million population in Clackamas County. So you've got Washington County and Multnomah County and Portland, that got all that money, over $170 per person. And poor Clackamas counties having to beg to be reimbursed from the state for any money. Just right next door. Now you kind of wonder, where do most of the Democrat votes come from in this state? Hmm, might be Portland and Multnomah and Washington counties. Clackamas is kind of a swing county. Can kind of go Republican sometimes, most of the rest of the counties. You kind of wonder if this is part of the governor's revenge is best served slow, you know, over the whole cap and trade debacle. You know, are, are we seeing that, you know, this is how they're going to basically strangle resources from the areas of the state that didn't support? her desire to cap, tax, and spend um, our energy in a state. But, um, you know, so they they chose to go ahead and spend that $105 million on personal protective equipment, something that FEMA has actually said they'll 75% reimburse if local governments are buying it. You know, so, so we're not sure if that kind of blows our 75% reimbursement. Um, you know, it's like they're spending money out of one bucket that might be being reimbursed out of another. Um, so they they don't, haven't even gotten an answer to that question, but they went ahead and allocated it. Because damned if they're going to let any money go down to local governments that the state can hang on to. And I'm really disappointed in some of our local representatives and senators that are on the E-board, that even though like Senator Manning that spoke out the E-board session before and voted against this 105 million, flipped his vote and voted for it. And I'm guessing that he heard, you know, he's gonna lose committee assignments or something. The pressure was put on him. I have to say cheers to Senator Betsy Johnson for her integrity, and voting against it, you know, spoke out against it and voted against it. Whereas I heard Senator Manning speak out against it and then vote for it, which I just don't get. Never heard Senator Roblin from you know that covers the Florence area of my district speak out against against it and just went ahead and voted for it. So, all you folks over in Florence. you you know when we don't have the local money and mind you some of that would come directly to the city of Florence that COVID relief funds and even Dune City would get some of that Sayusa Valley Fire District would get some of that West Lane Ambulance District would get some of that you know those funds that are that you know are supposed to go to local governments they're talking about right down to the special district level that 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 your state senator voted to keep in state coffers along with that representative paul hovey who represents south eugene and all the way out to venita voted to keep that money in state coffers rather than have it come to the city of eugene the city of venita the Fern ridge library district lane fire authority you know and and you know just amazes me that these folks are, are so intent on hanging on to those funds to try and prop up the state's budget at the cost of all these local government budgets and requiring us to jump through a million hoops to get money and put out the money up front. Portland actually got their money in April and May and were able to allocate it. And to give you an idea of how much they got, they got $114 million with very few strings attached. Basically, just had to spend it in accordance with the federal guidelines that came with the CARES Act, which allows it to be spent on everything from economic development and broadband to housing to actual COVID response and and public health. If we were getting the same amount of funding here, we basically have sixty percent of Portland's population. So we would be getting about sixty you know, sixty percent of these dollar amounts would be coming into Lane County. They're able to spend fifty eight and a half million dollars on household assistance, housing and homeless assistance, i.e. rent assistance and other um assistance like that and and, and you know expanding their homeless services, because one of the things that COVID did was that basically um, a lot of the ways we house the homeless are group settings, and a lot of them had to, to reduce uh, capacity by 50% or more to maintain all the six-foot distancing and everything necessary to adhere to the governor's COVID restrictions. Um, so suddenly, you need twice as much housing for the homeless. Um, you know, that costs money. Portland, if we were getting our 60% of Portland's 58 and a half million, think of what we could be doing for folks for rental assistance and housing and household support here in Lane County. They were able to put $15 million into small business assistance, which would be about 9 million or so in Lane County. Think of what we could be doing for small businesses here with, with 9 million. I mean we put you know early on we put a quarter million out there for for small business grants it was gone in less than 24 hours think what we could do with 9 million to help people you know and then they kind of helped their schools out by they put three and a half million to bridge some of the digital divide and, and help with broadband and all that for students in the Portland area now mind you Portland Got, got a lot of broadband services available already. It's not like Lane County where there's areas you can't get internet, period, because you live on the north side of a hill out in the country where there isn't any cable service and there isn't DSL. You know, you can't see a satellite. So they're getting to spend three and a half million to bridge their digital divide. It wouldn't have been nice if we could have gotten a, a an equitable amount here. They even spent four point four million on arts and culture support. And, and in addition to that, they spent 30 million on direct response, public health and and, and their actual COVID response. 114 million dollars. If we were you know being equitably funded, we'd be close to 70 million we'd be getting here. But you know what? we've gotten promised to date on a reimbursement with a lot of strings attached so far, seven and a half million, ten 10% of what we should be getting here in Lane County. You know, I, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost ready to tell, you know, to queue up the I'm mad as hell thing because it still makes me mad. I mean, in, in this time where we're holding listening sessions on equity, and race how the state government can take a federal bill that was so clearly disposed to have 45 percent of the money go to local governments and hang on to it for their own purposes and have such an inequity set up in their state where the largest most populous area that has the most money in local government you know multnomah county and washington county in their per capita budgets far exceed Lane County and Eugene. They had they're just flush with money compared with us because they didn't have the historic timber support that we had here locally that we prior to Measure five kept our property taxes so low that we got locked in by Measure five that once we lost that timber revenue left us in such a dry spell for revenue. They don't have that up there. Their budgets, you know, per capita, just far outstrip ours, yet they're allowing those folks to get even more through this COVID relief fund, and they're starving these rural areas that they've starved through their anti-business policies that restrict our timber harvests that, you know, are impacting our ability to, you know, have a profitable agricultural and fishing industry in this state and trying to turn us to a pure tourism economy and then the COVID comes around and kills our tourism economy and yet they're going to starve the parts of the state that they've told to be dependent on tourism from the relief funds that would help us you know something's got to change people have to keep after those e-board members You know, let Senator Roblin, Senator Manning, and Representative Holby, if you're living in Lane County, know you're disappointed with them and they need to change and fix it the next time the E-board meets. We still haven't gotten a good accounting of how the state spent their 55% of that funding. You know, yet they're lobbying the 45%. So really disappointed in the e board and really hope you know that you know when they get together again maybe they can fix some of this and stop having to make us apply for reimbursement allocate it as upfront funds so we don't have to come up with the funds later because that way we know we can set up a program and spend the money rather than being afraid of spending down our reserves which are limited, in the hopes that maybe the state's going to reimburse us later. But when you're talking about $170 per person and we're less than $30 per person, something's got to change. Portland should not get everything. You know, if, if you wonder why people are signing recall petitions, Kate, this is one of the reasons. You've got to be fair and equitable across the state, particularly when you're dealing with federal money. I mean, we all know what a wonderful record the state has with federal money. Can we say cover Oregon? How much did you waste trying to set up an insurance exchange that failed with federal money? How about the 80 million you got to fix the unemployment system 10 years ago? What happened to that 80 million? Oh yeah, you never spent it, and you're worried about whether or not local governments can spend our money in time and do the right thing with it. Are are you projecting or something? You know, your own self-image onto the local governments? I'm really disappointed, and I really hope the E-Board hears from the public outside the Portland metro area. In fact, if you're in, the Portland, in Portland, you should be mad about this inequity. If you're out there in the streets protesting inequities in our, and, and, and some kind of institutionalized inequities, here we have a, an equity being institutionalized at this moment. In Oregon, we should be, you know, in the street protesting this. But, you know, I'm going to pause and, and maybe get off that topic for a bit because it does get the blood up and we'll, we'll move on to some of what the board's been doing because we were met from nine o'clock in the morning to about 630, almost seven o'clock in the evening yesterday. And there's a lot to talk about. And I've had meetings most of the day to day that, that we can talk about, too. I was involved in the, the State Emergency Response Commission's meeting this morning for a couple hours. was in the uh, Homes for Good board meeting this afternoon for a couple hours leading up to this meeting. Uh, you know, this is my fourth, I think, meeting on you know the Zoom sort of meeting. This one's not quite Zoom, Facebook Live, but still it seems like I talked to a computer for a living now <laughs> all day long and uh, we'll get to some of that but I want to pause and remind folks numbered call in is six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven just press one if you want to get on the conversation want we'll to talk about the uh, COVID relief funding and disparities across this state or anything else on your mind we'll talk about it but I got to kind of move into yesterday's board meeting because there's a lot to talk about there yeah, you know, we started out basically with our usual COVID update. And I and I just wanna say, you know, we've had a particular resident that has been throwing stones at our staff since this whole thing started and throwing stones at Lane County, complaining we, we we're not doing enough testing when we don't have any control of testing because we don't own any labs. Lane County doesn't um and a lot of the testing limitations were supply chain limitations from overseas that we could not control um you know so it's just it's aggravating to watch somebody constantly criticize and this person has the ear of one commissioner who constantly kind of regurgitates his criticisms in board meetings and a couple weeks back uh the, the big thing got to be is what is Lane County's response plan? Do we have a written plan? Can we see the plan? It's like I've served in Instant Command Systems. And you know in the Instant Command Systems or ICS were invented by wildland firefighters and have been adopted by emergency managers and and governments across the U.S. In fact, you almost have to have it to get FEMA reimbursement for an emergency. Um, nowadays, it, it's really a great system of responding to an incident. And the incident can be tiny and small and just involve one or two people in the command structure. Or it can be as huge as responding to COVID. You know, it was intended in the firefighters realm of wildland firefighting to be able to deal with a fire that starts out as a half acre lightning strike and sometimes may get put out at a half acre and tracking that and making sure that all the resources that were assigned return you know that if you send a crew out a hand crew out that everyone that was on the hand crew gets back in you know to a huge fire like um some of the ones down in the calmopsis in the last couple of years, uh, you know, where they've got thousands of people involved in firefighting. And you're having to make sure that, you know, you don't leave somebody out there, you know, and that you're coordinating all that attack. And, and, you know, as the weather conditions change, you change your plan of attack. And I understand as part of that ICS system, that one, as you start expanding to a larger and larger incident, one of the first things that gets set up is what they they have different sections, and one of them's you know like logistics and you know you know operations, which is where the actual you know firefighters are in the firefighting situation, and then there's a planning section that gets set up, and they're the ones that do the daily situation reports, taking all that information and they. They're, they're responsible for maintaining an incident action plan. Now, we stood up our ICS and our emergency operations center back in early February. So from the day we stood that up, we started developing an incident action plan and have maintained one throughout this entire emergency. Yet, people that don't understand ICS You know we're like well where's your plan it's like yes we have a plan in fact at that point in time it was 32 pages long but it's written in the jargon of incident management and the technical jargon of public health so it's not easily digestible maybe by the public so you know we we don't just put it on our on our website and and it does even also contain some information that that we're allowed to keep private because you don't you know, it's information that would compromise our ability to respond. Um it's um so you know this complaint that we didn't have a plan was kind of for me a silly complaint. I knew we had a plan and anyone that understood incident command systems knew we had a plan. So what it forced our staff to spend time doing was one particular Constituent of one particular commissioner to write something up in the way that the public could understand it and produce it on our website, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just an extra added piece of work for our, our structure that's trying to respond to the actual emergency. But yeah, you know, we've done amazing here in Lane County. And when you really think about some of what we've done in the way of, of response, Um, you know, we are at over 10% of the total test given in the state, yet we're only 9% of the population. So the complaints about we're not doing enough testing, we've managed still to do more testing than the average around the state. You know, because we've been very aggressive in working with partnerships and helping the U of O get, you know, and getting local labs set up that wouldn't normally do disease testing yeah um but you know it, it's it's pretty amazing what we've been able to do when it comes to our covid response even despite the fact we've been starved for resources by the state you can imagine what we'd be doing if we were getting our fair share of covid relief funds i don't go there i already spend enough time there but i just want to say our staff has done an amazing job we're well below the state averages and everything from cases per 100,000 hospitalizations per 100,000 deaths per 100,000 all well below our percentage of positive tests um, are well below um, the state average the state's over five percent we're down at 1.7 percent now we are managing the even without the resources we should be getting from the federal government through the state, we are managing this pandemic really well in Lane County. Part of that is you out there. Um, you guys are doing a good job, social distancing, you know, doing what you should do. You know, for, you know, just same thing for fighting the common flu. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, cover your cough. <clears throat> common courtesy sort of thing. But, uh, you know, so we got our COVID, you know, update there, spent a little time on that um, and uh, kind of moved on to a report on our youth services system. And the report was about something called RED, which is, you know, racial and ethnic uh, disparities in our juvenile justice system. Uh, And... It was done based on a critical race theory lens. And that sounds like a whole bunch of buzzword gobbledygook to most people that don't deal with this on a daily basis or aren't in an HR or equity sort of job. So let me break some of this down for you. So, racial and ethnic disparities in the juvenile justice system is pretty easy to understand it 's basically just looking at what is the background population demographics by race and ethnicity, and then what is that same uh, breakdown in that actually are you know referred to our juvenile justice system and then also how far they move through the juvenile justice system you know how many you know After diversion, how many are left in the system, how many actually end up being referred for incarceration later, and what those percentages are. One of the things I can say is because the population of minorities are so low in this area, that quite often once you start working your way down that list, past diversion, all that, we can't track because there's not enough numbers to make a percentage work. So um, it kind of blows that out out. But when you look at just the incoming, there is a disparity. There are more people of color and, and um, minority ethnicities coming into our juvenile justice system than we have background percentage in our population. And what this study determined, though, was that influx is something we can't control in our juvenile justice system of Wayne County. And that once they're in there, we are doing really well with trying to make sure that as we move down in the system, we're not increasing that in any way, and doing our best to divert those folks and treating them well, um, you know, with um, you know the proper sensitivity and understanding of their experiences. What it basically said was that disparity exists because of what happens in the household or as before they ever get to us because of the societal issues with racism and, and um, prejudice that cause trauma and other issues of poverty that lead to the um, adverse childhood experiences that lead to being in contact with the juvenile justice system. And that's something we don't have direct control over um, in our juvenile justice system that maybe we can have impact on in some of our social service systems, which we have, and I've talked about it before, about how important it is to uh, prevent adverse childhood experiences. It's one of the reasons why I've been so supportive of the whole 15th Night movement uh, of trying to keep kids off the street and out of homelessness because if they're on the street for more than two weeks, they're you know, much more likely to suffer, you know, all sorts of traumas that will lead to long-term homelessness and long-term contact with the criminal justice system in general as adults. And you know, we need to prevent that. So um, it's one of the ways of turning off the pipeline of adults is to get to the kids and get to the kids even younger. You know, that's why we, you know, I support, you know. Uh, Things like the relief nursery, birth to three, and some of these uh, supports for parents, um, and, and including uh, you know some of the great programs like Pearl Buck's um, preschool program for uh, children of, of parents that may have um, developmental disabilities to help those kids not experience a lot of adverse childhood experiences. Um, so, you know, there's all sorts of programs out there we can support, but they're not part of our our, our criminal youth services system or juvenile justice system. So, kind of was, you know, an hour spent hearing, you know, there's problems, but they're not something that's part of your system, um, which was kind of interesting to, to hear. Um, but the interesting part to me was the whole idea of this critical race theory. And critical race theory lens, and uh, you know you can Google it um, and come up with it. Uh, the interesting thing is that it's dependent not on um, not on any sort of objective data, you know, like um, you know some of you know the theory of relativity or you know other you know theories that you think about. Um, it's based on narrative and what they call counter narrative of the minorities. And we are supposed to listen to the stories of people of color and minority ethnic minorities and do so without judgment and accepting them as their truth. And I I get part of that, but it's also, um, you know, one of those things that's, you know, uh, counterintuitive in some ways, and and can lead to um, some false conclusions. You know, you need to test some of those stories too, uh, and have some objective data about um, about stories because we saw during the Me Too movement that you know sometimes blindly accepting stories um can lead to poor conclusions and also um, poor judgments about situations so we need to move some of those with objective and 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 have the ability to to make sure sorry i dropped something when the wind blew there Uh, and and a little bit of dog helped with that Uh, but you know that's some of my and and one of the big proponents of this um, you know, basically. You know, one of his stories basically was that if alien space traders came to the United States and offered gold for us to sell them all the black people, um, you know, for them to use as either food or work or, or slave labor, that the the white majority would do so, and I did, I just don't accept that. You know, that that I. You know, I, I wouldn't sell my, you know, the guy that was my roommate, Robert Frierson, um, in college to Alien. I wouldn't sell the two gentlemen that were my wedding attendants, at, uh, at my wedding, Coy Thomas and Ron Wilson, to Alien for gold. Yeah. It just doesn't jive very well. But, um, I don't know how much dog noise is coming in, but Louis speaks. He also has some criticisms of critical race theory too. But yeah, you know, that kind of leads into the evening listening session a little bit that we had, and that was generated from our um, resolution that we made, uh, supporting uh, the concept, not the organization. Black Lives Matter, and um, that we were going to do whatever was necessary to root out any institutionalized racism in Lane County government. And, you know, that was in response to the folks that were, you know, protesting and asking for that. And um, we chose to, you know, as an action to that rather than just, you know, passing a resolution and signaling our virtues, we want to make sure we had actions attached. One of the reasons why I voted for it, set up listening sessions to look for and have input on where we might make some corrections if there is any institutionalized racism in Lane County government. And last night, you know, was not only our evening public comment for just any public comment, general public comment, but we, it was our listening session specifically for the board of commissioners to listen to anyone who wanted to talk to us about equity and racism and institutionalized racism in Lane County government. And I was expecting with all these, you know, the black unity uh, rallies and et cetera around town and and these protest movements that we would have a virtual packed house and we would have people waiting and raising their hands, you know, virtually on our meeting um, waiting to speak and telling us all the places that we have um, embedded racism into our Lane County system, because I would love to know and be aware of those places because I guarantee I will fight to make change if I'm made aware of one. Because I truly believe in the individual, individual rights and making sure that every individual has the ability, well, I shouldn't say the ability, but the opportunity to maximize their potential is so important to me. And if there's something in our system that is preventing one group of people of maximizing their potential, I will make that change to, to, to take that away. Because as a believer in capitalism, you know, it's important to me that everybody be able to maximize their individual potentials, because that makes the capitalist, capitalist system work. If you're suppressing the potential of a large group of people, no one gets, you know, improves their wealth and creates wealth. So I want to know where those problems are. But we had a total of three people speak up last night. And we had to basically cajole and beg people to raise their virtual hands and speak up. And and we really didn't hear about any true institutionalized racism in Lane County government with the exception of maybe that they're, um, in our mental health system, people don't necessarily see people of color doing the actual treatment. And that, you know that there's, and that, and that's a difficult thing to do. We have so few mental health providers, although yesterday we accepted a grant that's gonna allow us to hire 10 more um Providers here in Lane County and, and set up our uh, crisis center. Um, so maybe some of those can be uh, people of color. You know, we can be hopeful, but, you know, we, and we do pretty good recruiting, our recruitment, uh, and we've got data to show this. Um, we hire more people of color than our background population. We actually have racial and ethnic disparity in a positive direction in our hiring in Lane County. In fact, um, even in gender, more than 50% of our supervisors and managers in Lane County are women. So, you know, actually in the county government, that, you know, equity there is there. One of the things we have some difficulty with is retention. We tend to not be able to keep these people for long periods of time. Um, And that, that may speak to other issues out in the community, not necessarily within Lane County government. I was disappointed that I didn't get to hear how I can fix something. But it also raises the question for me, if only three people are willing to talk to an elected body where they get one-on-one time to tell us what they think is wrong, why are there so many people in the streets? And it makes me wonder is are the protests and the civil unrest have more to do with the election year than they have to do with actually having a grievance a specific set of grievances that they can bring and 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 discuss rather than generalized accusations and 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 i think that's where some of this falls apart and i would i would love Anyone has a specific example of how we've institutionalized racism in Lane County government to bring that to me, because I will do everything in my power to eliminate that, that, that problem, because I believe in the individual. In fact, I don't accept the false concept that there's more than one race other than the human race. It's a false construct. When you look at our DNA, there's almost no difference between humans. No matter how wildly our physical appearance on the outside of our skin is from person to person our stature or maybe even our nose. We are so close together genetically, it's not funny. You know, A few different sequences can change you know how dark your skin is or how big your nose is how tall you are but thousands and thousands and millions of other sequences are exactly the same from human to human we're all one race we should stop seeing people as of other races and and know that we're all one and treat everybody like Dr. King wanted us to judge us by the content of our character as individuals. As soon as you try and place people in a group, you're doing them a disservice. Every group is so diverse. How you can categorize somebody in a group and, and and claim any, you know, true homogeneity is I, I just don't understand and make generalizations about people that are members of that group. What I hate about this whole, you know, politics of, you know, dividing us into groups, you know, try and generalize a group and make them the victims and then see if politicians can defend that victim group. It's It's just, it doesn't, it defies logic. I believe in the individual and i want all individuals to be successful and living out to their highest potential and i will help remove the barriers to the opportunity to realize that potential i will not so rig the system to try and get equal results you know what's interesting is i think was thomas soul tweeted out um Today, something about how can we expect equal results when a pair of twins growing up in the same household may not have equal results. You know that somehow or another, governments and and outside entities are going to enforce um, equality of outcome. You know, that that's this difference, and that something that comes into the conversation is how people define equality versus equity and sometimes that definition of equity slides from the true definition of equity to equity of outcomes and having to, to treat people differently to assure an equity of equity of outcomes which I, I just you know that's that's not where we should be and, and uh, you know, right back to, you know, true equity is, is, um, you know, having, you know, equity of opportunity, equity of access. You know, sometimes you do need to do things a little bit different to get equity of access. You know, having things like bilingual, you know, medical providers, there's equity of access to people that, you know, English may be a, a second language um you know that's a little bit different than equity of outcome. start getting an equity of outcome and then you start trying to suppress through institutionalized suppression people that are high performing and then try and somehow or another prop up other people that may not be taking advantage of the opportunities offered to them uh, for whatever reason. But you know, it was interesting to see us get just three people last night, and I and I'm hoping that maybe the next time the board does this, that our leadership either does a better job of advertising it to the folks that are that are you know so concerned about racial um, institutionalized racism. That we actually get some meaningful input, or there's some other um, platform utilized than trying to hold a board meeting and asking for people to come speak up online about this. But it was a it was a, a, a poor meeting last night and did not come out well. But you know you can always call into the Bo's Nose Show anytime. To give me your suggestions on how we should fix any sort of um, you know racism that's institutionalized in Lane County government. 646-721-9887. Again six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven just press one let me know you want to get in on the conversation. So throwing some pretty big topics out there around you know COVID and COVID response and the eboard And, you know, it's just um, racism, race theory, juvenile justice system, um, the protests versus what we're actually, you know, people that actually want to solve problems, um, you know, but I want to get to some other things. Um, You know, one of the things we did Yesterday was vote to join the county climate coalition. Woo-hoo! Uh, fortunately, there are no dues to join it. One of the things that this kind of makes us a part of is a group of counties that basically is objecting to the fact that we're not part of the Paris Climate Accord. And it's really kind of um, a group that was formed to... to um protest that some ways, and they're supposed to also be sharing ideas about how we can all you know reduce our carbon footprint um which i don't object to because it generally means we're saving energy Um, as long as they're not miscounting how they reduce the carbon footprint like not counting things like the cradle to grave carbon footprint of a windmill Um, but you know and as santa clara county was the initiator of this down in California as California has experienced brownout several evenings in a row because of they forced their system to go green um, and they don't have enough spinnable power for their peaks and they keep browning out their systems uh, you know we're joining that coalition at Lane County but you know I, I just want to address one thing the Paris Accord is a horrible if if you really wanted to reduce carbon output globally, because it basically holds China, India, and Pakistan harmless as far as carbon emissions go. It basically didn't require any target reduction for China and only required them to invest a certain amount of, of their new investment in energy 20% in green energy over the next so many years. Whereas the United States had to hit a certain reduction in carbon output by a date certain. So we were going to have to basically turn back our economy in the United States while China could keep continually increasing their carbon output, and they have under the Paris Accord. Their carbon output has increased every year. Whether you look at it on a total per tons or a per capita basis, every year it's been going up since the Paris Accord. It's a flawed document. that will not achieve any reduction in global carbon output because what they're requiring of some of the Western cultures in reductions is counterbalanced by the increases they're allowing in China and India. So, not sure why we're signing on to the climate, the county climate coalition. So, the one thing we, the good thing we did do yesterday was we did accept that impacts grant, and I just have to say this is a continuation of Lane County's consistent work on, uh, on mental health. And, uh, I keep getting a ball. And, uh, you know, we have for a long time had a long focus on trying to do what we can with our limited resources here in Lane County to deal with the issue of mental health and its cross-section with homelessness and crime and, and the criminal justice system. You know, we are the now national model with cahoots cahoots started here in lane county and was expanded with lane county human services funding. you know the second ban and the expansions of cahoots have come through our human services commission and joint funding from the county and the city of eugene so you know as as you look at that that diversion and response now, I've talked before, cahoots depends on having the police there to back them up. You can't have cahoots without Eugene police there, and talk to any cahoots worker, and you know street response worker, and they'll tell you there's multiple times they've had to call EPD in on a code three, lights and sirens, to help them out. They can't handle everything with social workers. But they do handle a lot which keeps people out of the criminal justice system, and it's cheaper for you in the long run to pay for the CAHOOTS band than to book somebody into the jail. And the jail's really not the place to put them. But many years ago, we made a commitment here in Lane County to put mental health workers in with our medical staff at the jail so we could do mental health assessments and try and keep people on meds. Or get them back on their meds and help them out with the jail because the jail is a tough place to be if you're, if you're in a mental health crisis. I mean, the lights are on 24 7, there's loud and clangy doors, everything else, you know, it's not a great place to be. Not a lot of natural light, although we did change and moved a lot of the folks um, into an area that is much less restrictive and has much more natural light that are having mental health problems and trauma and and PTSD sufferers, and we've done a much better job with those folks. So we even have focused in the past on trying to to help folks once they're involved in the criminal justice system deal with their mental health issues. And, you know, we just over and over again have made sure that we're um, doing what we can in Lane County to help people with mental health, you know. Oops, I'm not sure what happened there. And uh, you know, we 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 um, managed to um, put mental health providers in our um, physical health clinics, right in the same teams in our you know federally qualified health clinics, so that if somebody is exhibiting mental health issues, there's a immediate handoff and in in dealing with you know cases in the the case meetings the mental health providers involved that that, you know could that be a mental health issue and not necessarily a physical health issue and we embedded that years ago about the same time we moved mental health providers into the jail and shortly thereafter we actually started something we called our 23-hour crisis center because we 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 couldn't in this center hold people more than 24 hours, because then it gets into a different level of mental health providing. We gave a place for the cahoots people to take somebody maybe to de-escalate for a while before they could get released, uh, rather than the emergency room at the hospital or the booking at the jail. So we, we opened that 23 hour crisis center several years back. And we managed, you know, to pilot and implement treatment courts into our justice system where folks you know our mental health treatment court and our veterans court and our you know property you know felony property times, downward departure uh, treatment courts that are dealing with addiction and other mental health issues those courts get to that mental health and, you know, we deal with this all throughout our criminal justice system, even to the point where our poll probation officers are trained in, in helping people work through cognitive behavioral therapy and, and changing how they solve problems and think about problems differently. And also in trauma-informed care, because they understand a lot of the folks that they're supervising not only have committed a crime, they may actually have been victims of crime too particularly women in fact we have pro officers that have been trained and are gender specific and only um, supervise women because almost every woman that is involved in the criminal justice system has been a victim of crime and trauma so you know from start to end Lane County has been a leader in trying to implement you know mental health and it, and we got this um, diversion, um, grant from the state to try and prevent people from going into the state hospital system. And what we're using that for is to set up a crisis center that will go beyond 24 hours where we'll be able to keep people several days and also to expand our street outreach to try and get people, you know, into some of these crisis, into these treatment systems and then into more stabilized situations. So they're not out on the street and needing for hoops to respond to them. So that grant is allowing us to hire 10 more people into our mental health system in Lane County. And it's just a good thing and shows what great work our staff is doing that the state gave Lane County that grant so we can get this program going. But, you know, Once again, we're having to go to the state for money, but at least in this situation, they recognize the good work local government is doing that state government can't do because we're the ones on the ground. So looks like we're getting out of time here on the Bo's Nose Show. We're uh, also running out of shade too, so it's getting a little bit warm sitting out here in a dark shirt and Piper needs a ball thrown and she also needs her dinner. So one more time for Piper there. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week with the Bose Nose Show. Hopefully we'll have some, something more uplifting to talk about. Maybe we'll, you know, that, like that, that grant for more mental health folks, we'll have some really good things we can talk about on the Bo's Nose Show. We'll be back next week, same time, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week.